Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. the born identity and I'm just loving this whole course and this theme that we're walking through because who knows that our lives can be like onions and that we can have layer upon layer upon layer upon us that with revelation knowledge God can begin to peel back layers peel back layers peel back layers God is longing to find and reveal the real you, the original model, the original you. He's looking for you. He's searching for you. In his word, he's written things within his word that are like a mirror for you. When you read it, the word of God becomes like a mirror that you see yourself in. God has planted seeds within your heart. All through your life, he's been working, opening doors, closing doors, putting things in your path, making a way where there was no way, looking for you, finding you, unraveling you, peeling back the layers, peeling back the layers. He's looking for his child, like a father in the prodigal son story longs for his child to come home and waits up on the hill when he hears that he's coming and waits in anticipation with open arms. Here comes my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. Here comes my daughter. She was wrapped in dark clothes, but I've unveiled her in all her beauty and her splendor. Here comes my son. He's got layers of onion peel around him. But I'm longing to unwrap him and unravel him and discover him and learn who he is and show the world my son. You know, in the Old Testament, when a son or a boy turned 13, the father would put the son on his shoulders and he would go through the main streets of the town to the city gates where all the elders of the city sat at the gates. All the important people were at the city gates. And his father would put his son on his shoulders and he would walk to the city gates yelling out, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He would shout out to the whole place, I am so proud of my son. I'm so proud. And God longs to do that with each and every one of us. He longs to lift you up, to put you on his shoulders, his son, his daughter, and he wants to brag on you. He wants to brag on you. But the thing is, when we don't know our identity, when we don't really understand what he has done for us, we are still back in the Garden of Eden hiding from God in shame, in sin, hiding from God. Where are you, God said? Why are you hiding from me? And God is still crying out to his people, to his church, and to those who do not know him yet, 
where are you? Why are you hiding from me? Why would you hide from the one who wants to put you on his shoulders, walk you through the streets and say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. If you only knew the love that he had for you, you would cease your hiding. You would come out and you would show your face to your father as tears run down his eyes as he embraces you and brings you home. Amen. So the best way that we get to know ourselves and the best way we get to know our own identity is to go back to the beginning. So tonight I want to take you on a little journey. So in Genesis 1 and 27, and it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So the very first, I want to talk to you tonight about mirrors, okay? Come with me, we're going to go on a journey about mirrors. The very first mirror that was placed before us, whereby we might judge who we are, the very first mirror that was placed before us as men and as women was the very image of God himself. It was God. And so God would come and he would stand before Adam, before Eve, He would walk with them, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening, just like now. And he would speak to them face to face as a man speaks with his friend. He would look deeply into their eyes and they would look deeply into his eyes. He would enjoy their stories about the day that they had had. He would laugh with them. He might dance with them. He might go and pick flowers with them because God was interactive in their lives. As he stood before them, Adam and Eve stood before God like like you stand in front of a mirror because they were made in the image of God. And when they looked at him, they had no questions about who they were, what they were meant to be. They had no doubts. They had no insecurities. They had no fears. They had no darkness. There was no darkness whatsoever. There was only light, peace, and security in a loving, living father who walked with his children every day. And as they looked at him every day, they were reminded every day as they looked into the mirror of the image of God, this is who I am. I am made in the image of God of God. God had made the trees and the plants and the birds and the water and the mountains. He had created so many fascinating things. But he said the, the prize, the crown of all his creation was mankind because he didn't make anything else in his own image except man and woman. He made them in his image. And as we look into the mirror As they looked into the mirror of the image of God, there they saw themselves exactly like him. But you see, we had an enemy in that garden. And his greatest ploy, his plan of attack, was to destroy the image of God in us so he could destroy us. And so he came and he spoke to the woman. He said, did God... Tell you not to eat of that tree 
Because God had put two trees in the garden, the tree of life, hallelujah, which they could freely eat from anytime they wanted to. And obviously, as they ate from that tree, they would receive life. And then he put the tree of the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't, don't eat of that tree. And I think he's such a loving God that he gave us a choice, that he gave us decisions to make, that we weren't robots, that he just put us here and just said, you will obey me, you will love me, you have no other choice, I don't give you any other way. He wanted people who loved him willingly. He'd already had angels who had betrayed him. He'd already had Satan, who was the, the, the angel of all worship, caused third of the angels of heaven to rebel against God and to be cast out of heaven. He'd already seen rebellion. He knew what it was like. And he wanted a people who just followed him freely, with a free will, with a choice. And so he gave us two trees. Just eat that tree. Everything will be fine. Don't eat that tree. It won't be so good for you. And so Satan comes. Did God really tell you not to eat that tree? Did God really say? He whispered in their ear. And he says to the woman, God's just holding out on you. You know, he doesn't really want you to become like him. See, they were already made in his image. But the lie was, God doesn't want you to become like him. What was the only part of God and the knowledge of God that God was not sharing with us? It was the knowledge of good, not the best, but good, okay, good, that leads to evil. The knowledge of good and evil. God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. Of course he doesn't want you to be like him. Not in that way. Could you imagine right now what it would be like if you had no knowledge of evil? I mean, all you have to do is scroll through Facebook and you're just overwhelmed by the things that you read. Like in the old days, my dad wouldn't let us watch the news. He would say, kids out, news is on. You don't need to know that stuff. But now we can't get away from it. We can't keep our children away from it. You're scrolling through Facebook and there's little children's dead bodies washed up on the shore. And there's another shooting this week where they've shot people in a classroom. And on and on and on it goes. It's not just news. It's actually every minute, every day of our lives, we're watching evil. Can you imagine right now what it would have been like if we had chosen not to eat of that tree? If Eve would have said, no, you know what? God said not to eat, and I don't really want to know about evil, actually. We're kind of happy the way we are. But mankind, he chose. And the consequences of that choice, the eating of that fruit, it says that their eyes were opened. And God said, now 
They're able to see good and evil like us, like the Father, like the Son, like the Holy Spirit. They're able to see good and evil like us. Therefore, I can't let them live forever. I have to take away their eternal life and I have to lock them outside of this garden. But all the time in the heart of God, do you think that he didn't have a plan? Do you think the all-knowing God didn't know that we would choose that? Just the same way that he knows every day the choices you're going to make, yet he still loves you. The all-loving God, the God who is love, of course he had an escape plan. Of course he had a way out. Amen? And what was his way out? He took the most precious thing to him, his beloved son. He took his image. He took the image of God that we were made in the likeness of. And he hung the image of God on a cross. And he allowed the image of God to be beat, to be broken, to be persecuted, to be mocked, to be, to be beat to the point where there were, you couldn't even recognize the image. You couldn't even recognize the face of the man who was the image of God walking on the earth. He allowed his image to walk amongst us. He allowed his image to be amongst us. He allowed his image to walk among sinful men. He allowed his image to look into the eyes of those who are ashamed. He allowed his image to look into the eyes of those who are broken. He allowed his image to look into the eyes of those who are damaged and hurting and sick and demon-possessed. He allowed the eyes of the image of God to look upon sin through Jesus Christ. Jesus walked the earth as a representation of the perfect image of God, sinless, compassionate, loving, and kind, and generous, and good, and all-giving. And he healed our sick bodies. He forgave our sin. He washed us clean. He lifted our chins. He gave us hope. The very image of God walked amongst us. And the Bible says, yet we knew him not. Yet we knew him not. And God allowed his image to hang on that cross. For you and for me, for the restoration of the image of God in his children, he gave his very image to be totally annihilated for our sake. When Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, the curse of sin, the chains of hell, the hold that Satan had over us through our disobedience was completely annihilated, completely broken. 
the chains were taken, the keys were removed, and Jesus went down in the grave for three days, rose again on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, victoriously restored, the image of God restored, Emmanuel, God with us, Emmanuel, God is with God, and God made a way that we could be restored back to him. You think of the mirrors that you've looked at in your life other than the mirror of the image of God, even as Christians. You know, some of us have tainted mirrors that we look in. We look in the mirror and we want to we wanna fix ourselves. We if I could just lose weight, if I could just, I'll change my hair color, I'll, you know, I'll go to the gym, I'll, I'll go to a therapist, I'll, 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 I'll do this. I'll, we have all these ways where we want to change the image that we see before us because it's still tainted. It still has that smoke screen over it. It's not clear. And some of us, some of us don't even have an image before us that we can see it all because not only has it been tainted, it's been shattered. You know, the enemy got to some of us when we were children. You know, right now I'm writing my own story and I tried to write it in 2010 and I, I just couldn't finish it. And I, I just thought, okay, well, I'm, obviously I'm not supposed to do that. And I, I wrote so much of this novel, it almost got halfway through and just went, I can't do it and put it down and never looked at it again until now. And God told me, he said, you need to pick that up now. And you need to write that and you need to finish it because now you're going to write it not from a broken place, but you're going to write it from a restored place. You're going to be able to give the good news of that God can take that which is shattered and that which is broken He can take the image that has been totally shattered into thousands of pieces and he can take every piece and he can make it new. And and he can stand before us the perfect image of God and have us look at him instead of our own image as he restores us back to life. The image of God, the image of God within us. How many of us still look in those mirrors even the mirror of the word. We might even say, oh, the the word is the mirror that shows me God, but we read the word of God and we read it with condemnation, with shame. We're still hiding from it. We read a scripture and we think God's having a go at us and we close it again. We try and read it and we feel like we're not encouraged and we close it again because we're still looking at the word of God like it's a tainted mirror, like it's a shattered mirror. But God wants to heal and to restore his image upon the earth. He wants to take precious children and help them to grow up inside. He wants to take men that that have not been able to walk in their manhood and call them into glorious manhood. He wants to take Christians that have just been trying so hard not to sin, not to do what is wrong in the eyes of God, but always fall into that place. He wants to take them. He wants to inject them with the most glorious love 
the most glorious peace that they they just won't want to sin anymore because they're just in love with God. God wants to come and visit us, his people. Amen? Just have a look at John 14, 8 to 14. He sets the mirror in place and invites us to look deeply into his eyes. Look at this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who does his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me and will do the works I have been doing, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus was the exact representation of the image of God. And he stood before us and he invited us, look deeply into my eyes. Even now he invites us, how long have I been with you? How long have I been with you and you still can't see? You still can't see? I am in the Father. The Father is in me and you are in us. I am in the Father. The Father is in me and you are in us. We are one. Perfect image of God. Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter says in Matthew 16, 18, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It was like Peter's eyes amongst all the disciples. It's like his eyes were opened and he realized standing before him was not a man or a prophet or a good man or a John the Baptist or Elijah, but standing before him was the very image of God. You are the Christ. You are the image of God on the earth. You are what I am. If I look into you, I will become that image again. If I behold you, I will become that image. Peter was saying, if I look deep enough into your eyes, Jesus, I will become my original self, the image of God on the earth again. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. And upon this revelation, upon this revelation, what revelation? 
the revelation that the image of God had come to earth and that through believing in Jesus Christ, through a revelation of what he truly is and what he has truly come to do, that we would be restored to the original state, the image of God again walking on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, the gates of hell are still pushing against you. Did God really say? The gates of hell are still pushing against you. No, God's just holding out on you. God hasn't really forgiven you. God hasn't really saved you. God hasn't really set you free. The greatest thing we can get is the revelation. The revelation. The revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when I stand before you in my worship, when I, when I sing songs, there's no place I can go. Your love won't find me when I'm singing songs, when I'm lifting my hands and saying, this is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. When I'm singing songs in your presence, I'm being transformed into your image from glory to glory. Let's have a look at this. Because why? Because I'm looking into the mirror of the Spirit instead of the mirror of my own image, instead of the mirror of my own brokenness and my own failures. I'm looking into the mirror of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18. Now, if the ministry that brought death which is engraved in letters of stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious had no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts, amen, which is eternal. Hallelujah. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not shy. We're not hiding. We're not ashamed. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ the veil can be taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. And we all, look at this. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed 
into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the very image of God again. You know, the Bible says that there will come a time in the days that we live when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the waters, cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That so many people will get revelations about who they are in Christ at one time. That so many people, their eyes will be popped open like that of Peter, where they would go, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. As I behold you, I'm made into the image of God again. Can you imagine the enemy shaking in his boots right now? If even just the people in this room would get a revelation of who they are in Christ, that they are made in the very image of God. And when they get up in the morning, the devil says, oh no, he's awake. Oh no, she's awake. The devil's not chasing after you. The devil's running away from you. Why is he running away from you? Because you are the image of God. He has been conquered and defeated. He has no say, no way, no place, not even a foothold in your life because you are the very image of God upon this earth. When you walk into a room, the atmosphere should change. When you stand and speak, it should be the very voice of God that comes out of you. And it doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how many layers are yet to be peeled off. The image of God is still standing because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has paid the very price for your life. What is revelation knowledge, Pastor Julie? I'm glad you asked me. I believe revelation knowledge is coming out of a lie into the truth. Like the Word of God cutting down like a two-edged sword, dividing between truth and error, between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. The Word of God, the mirror of the Word, cutting straight down and the revelation of truth hitting us. I am a child of the Most High God in Jesus' name. Amen. In Revelations, Revelations verse 3 and 20, Jesus is still inviting us to be with him. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is waiting, standing outside the door of your heart where you're hiding or you're still covered in shame. Do you know that in the Garden of Eden, they spoke about how Adam and Eve were naked before each other and naked before God. That word naked there, it actually means that they were physically, spiritually, and emotionally transparent. That's what it means. That's why when when they sinned, it said they saw that they were naked. They saw that they were emotionally, physically, and spiritually transparent before God, that he could see everything, and therefore they hid. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, God longs for us to come again and stand before him 
emotionally, physically, spiritually transparent. Say, God, here I am with all my stuff, with all my journey, with everything that I've been through. I stand before you. Let's stand before you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.